Good morning. This is meteorologist Drew Lerner of World Weather Incorporated, and this is your morning market update here for the world on this Friday, August the 25th. I'm going to start off with the tropics today. Uh, there is still a number of disturbances out there that will continue to uh, be of interest during the course of the weekend, but there really isn't too much that's at risk in the sense of threatening North America at the moment. Uh, the only one is Franklin. Uh, Franklin will be moving up towards Nova Scotia as we and uh, Newfoundland as we go forward through the weekend into early next week. Uh, probably Newfoundland is the only one that's going to see a notable amount of wind and rain, perhaps, from that event. Uh, the remnants of Emily have uh, no longer the probability that was given to the, that system earlier this week of developing into a tropical cyclone of sorts. Uh, is now down to just 30%. Uh, the disturbance to the southwest, southeast of that is also not uh, given a very good probability of hanging in there for development as we go forward in time. Even if those systems do evolve into some kind of a tropical cyclone, they will stay over the central Atlantic Ocean and be no threat to North America. Uh, we do uh, see that there's a 50% chance uh, that the system farthest to the southeast might evolve into some kind of a disturbance. And looks like that uh, Emily's remnants have a 30% chance of some kind of development. But really, the focus of attention is going to be on this tropical disturbance that's in the Caribbean Sea, the northwest part of the sea there. Uh, you can see this on the cloud cover here, or the satellite imagery. Uh, this morning, you can see that there's uh, some cloudiness there. It doesn't look very impressive, but it's still very early. Uh, this disturbance is coming north out of the eastern Pacific Ocean, and it will need another day or two to get organized enough to uh, become a, a more impressive-looking system. But the Hurricane Center has given it a fairly high probability of developing into a tropical cyclone. And most of the models this morning uh, suggest that the path would be something like this, where it would uh, move through the northern parts of the Florida uh, Peninsula and uh, not be much of a threat to the southeast United States outside of southern Georgia and Florida. Uh, and at the moment, it doesn't look like the system is going to develop quickly enough to produce a damaging wind, but it is way too soon to make those kinds of comments. So please be sure to keep an eye on the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico as we go forward through the weekend to early next week. Uh, Franklin's path, as you can see here, uh, is still not much of a uh, threat to anybody in particular. It'll be far enough removed from Nova Scotia to, to minimize the impact there, but it is expected to, to uh, cut across or very close to the southeast portion of Newfoundland. And you can't see that uh, island on here very well, but it does appear uh, the southern tip of it's right up that way. And we do expect to see Franklin to move in that direction as we get into next week. I wanted to point out real quickly, since uh, we didn't do a recording yesterday, uh, that uh, there was some heavy rain that occurred the night before last uh, in southeastern Michigan and northern parts of Ohio and some neighboring areas in both Pennsylvania and western New York. And uh, some of those rain totals were pretty impressive, running upwards between five and seven inches uh, and Arbor, Michigan, reporting over eight inches as well. Some flooding did occur in some of these areas, along with hail and damaging wind. But that was the night before last, and it was much quieter night last night. Precipitation across the U.S. in the last 24 hours has been somewhat sporadic. 
Uh, the uh, northeastern part of the country did see uh, more of that system that impacted Michigan and Ohio. Uh, as we went through the day yesterday, we saw rain and thunderstorms occur in quite a few of those areas. We picked up on a little bit of rain across parts of North Dakota and northern Minnesota, a few showers and storms in northern Iowa. But anyway, you can see most of the precipitation was pretty darn light. And the temperatures were still very warm to hot across a big part of the uh, contiguous U.S., uh, at least central parts of the country. Temperatures of uh, in the 90s to over 100 from South Dakota to Texas and still occurring in the Delta uh, even portions of uh, Illinois and Indiana got pretty high into the 90s. Very high humidity yesterday. Livestock stress indexes were very high from the plains into the Midwest. And a uh, lot of uh, high, high heat indices taking place. Uh, the situation in Canada yesterday was fairly quiet. We did see some showers occurring in parts of central and northern Alberta and northwestern most fringes of crop country in Saskatchewan and also northeastern Saskatchewan into a few areas into Manitoba. Most of the rain was very light, didn't have a big impact. I will tell you this, we did get an email this morning from a, a, an individual not too far from Hudson Bay uh, in Saskatchewan. And uh, that he was saying that there was uh, some small grain crops that were sprouting there because it has been raining so frequently in that particular area. So very small part of northeastern Saskatchewan crop country. But I just thought I'd bring that up. Uh, many other areas in Saskatchewan and for that matter, the prairies are certainly not too wet with the exception of western sections of Alberta. Now, many of the areas in the western part of Alberta uh, have received too much moisture and the ground is pretty darn wet and those areas are going to have a tough time getting uh, into the harvest without some drier weather. And it wasn't so wet there yesterday and they are going to move into some drier weather for a little while. A little later next week, some of those uh, southwestern crop areas in Alberta will pick up on some additional moisture. But the rest of the prairies don't get that much moisture and that's going to be good for crop maturation and harvest progress. The bulk of the U.S. Midwest and the northern and portions of the northeastern, or I should say east central parts of the U.S. plains will not be seeing significant precipitation over the next 10 days. The majority of this region will get spit and spat at, but there's not going to be organized rainfall that's going to change the moisture profile. We've been drying down fairly steadily in these areas recently, and that process is going to continue. In the meantime, there's going to be a trough of low pressure over the uh, southeastern part of the U.S., so frequent showers and thunderstorms will likely occur from Alabama into the Carolinas and Virginia. Uh, you can see the heavier rain that is associated with that developing tropical system in the Caribbean. Uh, it doesn't look all that impressive today, but I fully expect as the system becomes better developed in the next couple of days that the models will start increasing rainfall. So the area that we want to watch most closely would probably be uh, most of Florida and a small part of southern Georgia if the system is going to evolve. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Texas, West Texas, is going to see some shower and thunderstorm activity. So will the Blacklands. Uh, but the rains in West Texas will be Sunday through Tuesday. It'll be a nightly occurrence of precipitation. We'll see the temperatures come down to the 80s and lower 90s. And we'll likely see a quarter to three quarters of an inch of rain with a few spots, maybe getting an inch of moisture. It'll be the best three-day period of scattered showers that area has seen in, in weeks. And uh, without the heat, that's going to be uh, certainly welcome. It's not going to be enough moisture to change the profile, though, in a significant manner. A lot of the rain you see in Colorado and some of the neighboring areas in Nebraska and Kansas is still associated with the remnants of Tropical Storm Herald. 
And the system is expected to uh, try to send some of its moisture into the plains, uh, but it doesn't look like the environment's going to be real supportive of getting a lot of meaningful precipitation to take place in some of those areas. But don't be surprised if you start hearing about some locally heavy amounts of rainfall in northeastern Colorado and southwestern Nebraska, maybe a few counties in northwestern Kansas, as that system tries to come out from the Rocky Mountain region. Outside of that, there's really nothing too new. The temperatures are still going to be cooling down in the Midwest. We have a couple of days that are still very warm coming up from the heart of the Midwest into the Delta and the Southeastern states. But most of the hottest weather will be today. And then tomorrow into the weekend, the heat will become more and more concentrated in the Southern states. And a lot of relief will occur in the Midwest. We'll also at the same time start heating up the Western parts of North America. And as we go into the six to 10 day period, a short term bout of mild weather will occur in the Midwest and Northeastern states. The heat will build up in Western Canada and also in the Western United States to some degree. And then as we finish out the second week of the two week outlook, the warmth will come back into the Midwest. Now, some of the heat that you're seeing here, uh, these are anomalies. Uh, you will find that the, uh, the it may be a little bit overdone, but we will heat back up again when we get to the uh, latter part of the second week of the outlook. And uh, so stress will resume again. Not, And I should clarify that the stress isn't going to go away because it's not going to rain over the next 10 days. But the stress will be reduced because temperatures will be a little bit uh, less intensive. And in fact, we'll see 70 and 80 degree temperatures for a little while this weekend into the very first part of next week before we start warming back up again. All right, a couple of important uh, forecast maps uh, have been created by us here in the last couple of days. Uh, the chart on the right here, the frost freeze uh, outlook for the autumn. I uh, We are expecting to see a little bit of a cooler than usual uh, well, let me put it another way. Uh, the frost and freeze dates will be occurring a little bit earlier than usual uh, in parts of northeastern uh, northeastern North Dakota, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, and uh, also across much of Canada's central and eastern prairies. Now, part of this region, uh, this area right here in parts of Alberta and Saskatchewan have already had a frost and some light freezes that occurred Sunday morning. Uh, and it was a perfect uh, test to see how well the atmosphere could hold up against a cold air mass, and it failed miserably. Uh, the humidity is so low across parts of Canada's prairies and in portions of the U.S. that the temperatures fell much lower than they should have for the temperature for the for the air mass that was coming into Canada on Sunday morning, and uh, that was what I needed to know uh, because I was of the. I was concerned that the humidity was going to be low enough that we were going to see surprisingly more cool air than what you would normally see in these situations, and that verified really well. So because of that, I feel much more confident in going ahead and suggesting that there'll be some earlier than usual frost and freezes uh, in the uppermost Midwest and uh, eastern parts of Canada's prairies as we go into mid, uh, well, over these next couple of weeks. Uh, I do think the period... Uh, from September, uh, the uh, uh, maybe the 8th uh, through about the 18th will be a period that we'll want to watch uh, for that cooler air mass to come down from Can across Canada's eastern prairies and into the uh, north central parts of the U.S. So keep an eye on that. Uh, there's nothing on the charts right now that looks all that threatening. Uh, but part of the reason behind this is the fact that there's some kind of a repeating pattern that seems to favor the middle middle parts of months 
uh, in North America to be cooler biased. And I think the next time for that to occur will be at the very end of the first week of, the, of September, more likely the second and third weeks. The chart on the left is the uh, outlook for September in general. Uh, we think we're going to continue to deal with below normal precipitation at warmer than normal temperatures in many areas. And so the bottom line is that uh, we should have a good harvest uh, environment. Crop maturation and harvesting should take off fairly well. Now, the exceptions that will be possibly from tropical systems. And I've tried to indicate that to some degree by the near to above normal precipitation in the southeastern states from Georgia, Alabama, and Florida into Virginia. Uh, also, the uh, wetter bias that you see in Texas, uh, South Texas, I think that both of those are in being influenced in my mind by tropical cyclones. I wanted to point out also the ongoing problems in Mexico. We don't talk about Mexico very often, but Mexico still has a very definite drought underway uh, in the northeastern half of the country. Uh, and rainfall has been very poor in recent weeks, and we're expecting that to continue to be the case. A big part of Mexico is still being uh, influenced by uh, drought conditions. Uh, the, uh, this particular chart is uh, as of August 15th. Uh, and not July 15th, so that's mislabeled there. But otherwise, uh, we uh, this is the latest drought monitoring. Clearly, there's a, a problem with moisture across the country. And Mexico's rainfall departure from normal over the coming week is still going to be way below normal in the north. Uh, there will also be an area in the interior, uh, we'll call it southwest, maybe uh, west central areas that will see less than normal precipitation. Mexico is not going to end this monsoon season in good shape. Uh, in South America, there's nothing really new here today versus that of previous days when we've done the broadcast here. Um, a few showers in Cordoba, but nothing that would counter the evaporative moisture losses. In Brazil, we're starting to ramp up on some moisture in the interior south. This will become a much bigger feature as we go forward into the next week or so. Over the next 10 days, there's a lot of moisture being painted uh, for uh, Brazil's crop country. Some of this is overdone. Certainly that which is in Mato Grosso is overdone. Uh, I think that some of the rain in Goyas is overdone as well, and maybe some of that in northern Minas Gerais. Uh, it's not going to be dry in those areas, but the rain intensity will be less than what you see here. The bottom line is going to be favorable for uh, early first season corn planting, which is getting underway. At the same time, it's going to be disruptive to the safrina corn and cotton harvest that are still underway as well. Uh, there will be some benefit to winter wheat in the south part of the country, uh, but harvesting of wheat in nor more northern areas will be disrupted, and there may be a little concern over crop quality, although it doesn't rain so often that that's going to be an ongoing concern. And there may also be some coffee areas, especially in Zona de Mata, that might benefit from the rainfall coming up. There's been a little bit of flowering in uh, the uh, Zona de Mata production area, uh, and uh, the rains that are advertised to occur in the coming week or so will likely help to support pollination for that. Most of the coffee in Brazil has not flowered and is not expected to flower until we get into mid to late September. Uh, but we might get enough rain that further pockets of flowering could occur, and we'll have to watch that closely. Temperatures in Argentina will be cooler than usual as we go forward in time. In this first five days of the forecast, Brazil will continue to be very warm. Uh, in parts of the north. And as we go in the six to 10 day period, uh, we'll see these temperatures much closer to normal in uh, both countries. And we'll finish out the second week with a little bit of a cooler bias in Argentina, a little bit of a warmer bias in Brazil. And I should go back uh, to the rainfall chart and reiterate the 
ongoing dryness issues in western uh, wheat areas of Argentina. Uh, the model does suggest here uh, that there might rain, uh, but that rain is going to occur after the first week of the outlook. And I really think it's going to be more in the eastern part of the country than in the west. And so we'll look for maybe a chance for a few showers in Cordoba and La Pampa and western Buenos Aires. But I think it's overdone what you see on the chart here at this uh, on this morning's uh, data. All right, in Australia, a dry day yesterday. Uh, you can see the seven-day rainfall map in the, in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, temperatures were mostly seasonable across the country, but uh, there's not a lot of precipitation coming up. Uh, there'll be a few light showers in southwestern and western Australia. We'll see some showers in Victoria, uh, but most of the precipitation elsewhere is just not going to be enough to counter evaporation and make any difference to the you know, moisture profile, which is still running short to very short across Queensland and northern New South Wales, and also in the northern parts of Western Australia, and as well as some minor production areas uh, in the interior parts of Western uh, South Australia and Central South Australia. So uh, the concern remains there. Reproduction will begin first in Queensland's crop country, and that's likely to occur uh, as we go forward into the first part of September. So we're going to get underway real quickly with that. Same thing is true for the northern parts of New South Wales. We did see frost and light freezes occurring in Australia uh, over the past couple of mornings, but there shouldn't have been any permanent crop damage. In Europe, the weather is uh, starting to ramp back up on rainfall. We've gone through a few days of dry weather. has been really helpful, uh, but we are going to go back into a wetter mode. And we're also going to get rid of the heat but you can see clearly that it was hot again across parts of southern France, back into Spain and Portugal. Uh, it's been persistently hot in these areas. I think there hasn't been a day uh, for quite some time that Spain hasn't been at least 105 degrees in the south. And uh, we've seen a lot of days with 110, 111 in the um, Andalusia area in the southern part of that uh, nation. Uh, the forecast, like I said, does turn wetter in Europe, but it's going to be mostly from uh, nor uh, northern Italy and the Alps into the northeast part of the uh, continent. I don't expect a lot of rain in Spain. I don't see a lot coming up for France either, and they'll keep their drier biases in the southern parts of the Balkan countries into parts of Ukraine. We're also going to see drier biased conditions. Temperatures will be warmer than usual in the first five days in southeastern Europe. Uh, and then the heat will shift more into Ukraine and the Turkey and the Black Sea region, uh, while the temperatures in Europe become a little bit more seasonable. Uh, the warmth in the Black Sea area is going to continue all the way through the second week of the forecast. Uh, in the CIS, not much uh, rain yesterday. Uh, the temperatures were mostly in a seasonable range. We do have a broad-based area of, of lighter-than-normal precipitation coming up. Now, for a lot of this uh, area in western Russia, this will be good for harvest and planting progress. The planting of early-season winter wheat for 2024 is underway, as well as dry. And, um, and also in the southern areas, though, a lot of this area uh, has been limited on soil moisture for a while and has been very warm. And obviously, we're going to continue that for 10 more days. This is somewhat similar to what's happening in the U.S. Uh, in uh, temperatures, uh, Russia is going to be pretty chilly here in the in interior west. Uh, parts of the country will see some frost uh, up here in the northern parts of the region as we go forward through uh, the coming week. I don't expect to see any real serious damage come from that. There will be a couple of light freezes. It'll stay warm, biased in uh, Ukraine and parts of Belarus. We're also going to be warm in uh, parts of Xinjiang, 
not so much in the West where the majority of cotton is produced, but there'll be some. And as we go on out through the two week period, it stays pretty warm. And, and all these areas I pointed out that are warmer biased. Well, China decided not to turn in any data to us here in the last 24 hours. So I, for the most part, the, the rain that's in the upper left hand corner of this chart is limited. It is not a complete data set. So uh, we're missing some data there. And I think there's going to be some flooding rain that's going to occur this weekend uh, in east central portions of, of China coming out of Shangxi and Sichuan over to Jiangsu, maybe southern Shandong. And these areas could get multiple inches of rain and have some flooding. So we'll be looking for that as we come back into the marketplace on Monday. Uh, in the meantime, some welcome drying will occur in parts of eastern Inner Mongolia, Liaoning, and portions of Jilin. Uh, the rest of China will stay plenty wet. Uh, we do expect India to continue drying out in the western part and central areas of the country down through the south. Uh, there's not a lot of excessive heat. That's a good thing, but precipitation is going to be limited. These are 10-day totals we're looking at. Actually, this particular chart is actually only uh, about six days, uh, but the 10-day outlook is very similar with a limited amount of precipitation occurring across a fair amount of central and western portions of the country. Uh, Typhoon Sola is uh, located just off to the northeast of Luzon Island. It's going to sit out there for the next few days and get more intense. We expect to see the wind speeds getting well over 100 miles per hour. It should be far enough off the coast of Luzon to not create any kind of serious damaging weather across that island. Uh, but as we go into next week, there's going to be a new tropical cyclone that's going to develop way off to the southeast of this. And that's going to force the storm to start moving first to the north and then to the northwest. The models are divergent to where it's going to go. Uh, some models take it over into uh, southern China. Uh, some take right across the heart of Taiwan and others uh, suggest maybe skirting the northern part of Taiwan and going up the east coast of China. So there's still a lot of debate about this system, but it's intense enough that it needs to be closely monitored. Uh, it could be very intense, and if it goes right over Taiwan, there's going to be a lot of damage that occurs there to rice and sugarcane, serious flooding, and serious property damage if the storm is going to be as intense as what's being suggested here. Uh, the Typhoon Warning Center is suggesting that wind speeds will be over 130 miles per hour just off the Taiwan coast. I think that's too intense, and I think future model runs will reduce that, but nevertheless, it needs to be closely monitored. Well, that's pretty much it today. This is meteorologist Drew Lerner.